the Great Loop Radio podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're continuing our story of our Great Loop adventure, and this is a series we've been doing with some of our Gold Loopers, where they join us and tell us about their boat and all the things about their Great Loop. So today, we will be joined by Dave and Karen, and they will share their stories. But before we bring them into the conversation, I want to take a moment, as always, to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that out of the way, I'd like to officially welcome Dave and Karen Rattay to Great Loop Radio. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear a little bit about your loop. Um, but Karen, first, I want to start with you're in the middle of some articles that you've written for our Great Loop Link magazine. Um, last month, you brought us up the Lake Champlain route, um, which was fabulous. And coming out tomorrow, actually, if you're listening to this on the day it's it's launched, um, the July 1st issue of the Great Loop Link is going to have another article from Karen. So what are you what are you telling us about this time? Uh, this time, this is on the Rideau. Yeah, and the Rideau is, um, of course, one of the historic canals of Canada. And it's really a place that's been getting just raves from loopers in the past few years. I think it's just become a more popular route. And I know, Karen, um, both the Lake Champlain route and the Rideau are some of your favorite places. And you're doing a great job of walking members through that. So if you're not yet an AGLCA member and you enjoy our podcasts and want to support loopers in the association, definitely consider joining us. You'll have access to the Great Loop link. And um, as I said, Karen had a fabulous article in the June issue and another one coming up for the July issue. But we're here today to really talk about your Great Loop. And we can see that you're aboard your boat, Sea Level. So let's start. Um, tell us a little bit about Sea Level, Dave, if you would. <laughs> yeah, she's a, uh, a main cat, uh, which is main cat used to make uh, cell cats for quite a long time. Then they dabbled in the park cat world like many other cell cat manufacturers did and they made nine of them and we happen to be number nine of nine uh number i think it's five of nine is up six six of nine is actually out on the loop right now and that's it's oysterland yep and they're out and about and then there's another one for sale actually in the market so they come and go but uh it's a beautiful boat the great thing about the main cat is low um, stress cruiser so it's a low masset height uh, or air draft about 15 feet it's 18 foot beam so it's not as wide as most of the other ones are uh three and a half foot draft uh, about 50 feet long so just perfect to do what karen was writing about going up the uh the various canal shambly and all that and veto etc so just beautiful for the loop and you said the length overall for yours is about 50 feet it's about 50 feet. Yeah, it's uh, 47 on the hull, but you had a few more feet for the dinghy and for the anchor and that kind of stuff. And so with an 18-foot beam, it's a pretty spacious boat. So, um, but you're right, kind of low profile, low low air clearance, overhead clearance for the bridges and things like that. Um, you know, what else? It's, I, I guess, because not that many were made is one of the reasons we don't see a lot of them on the loop. Um, but what else about it makes it the perfect looping boat? Tell us a little bit about the livability, things like that. Yeah, that's great part of it. Uh, so we're called a Downey Style Express Cruiser. So that means we're kind of a single level living 
And mm -hmm. uh, so you come straight in the back uh, swim platform right into the fairly large cockpit, full 18 foot beam cockpit with uh, about 10 feet in the back where you can uh, spend a lot of outdoor time, which we do. You've got a great front deck. And in fact, Karen will tell you about what we did um, on the Trent Severn. Yeah, front it's deck. got a nice, it's got a big front deck and I like it also has the full walk around, easy walk around for, for me since I'm the one running up doing the lines and stuff, right? I, I like having that. Uh, but the front deck is nice and roomy and we have hosted movies up there, outdoor movies. Uh, where we had what we had six or six or seven couples all sitting on our front deck watching a movie like uh, seating yeah uh, uh, so <laughs> wow fun it's, it's got great outdoor space but it's also just really comfy roomy inside as well yeah and um tell us a little bit about the engines uh so it's a uh volvo penta d3 220s so very fuel efficient we're kind of narrow uh hulls and long hauls, which makes us very fuel efficient catamaran. Uh, you don't have to have a very large engine, which means that in itself is fuel efficient. So we go pretty quickly. We go over 20 knots and uh, can cruise comfortably with a very good gas mileage at uh, six, seven, eight knots, that kind of thing, or anything between all the way up to 20. We get uh, so about two and a half uh, uh, miles a gallon at, uh, at seven knots, and we can get over a mile a gallon at 15, 16, 17 knots. Nice. Very nice. So some people here and, it, you know, your, yours is not a particularly beamy cat at 18 feet, um, but some people, you know, shy away from even looking at cats for the loop because they think they're going to have trouble finding slips. Um, and, and even people with beamier cats, you know, tell me that that really is not the case. You actually usually end up with a tea head, which is kind of a preferred spot. Um, but tell me how that went on the loop. Was 18 too wide for some standard slips? And did, was that a detriment for you? So that worked out perfectly for us because of the, like you said, great availability of key heads and uh, uh, face docks and, and things like that. Uh, we did go in slips, which is nice for an 18 foot, but I wouldn't let that daunt anybody, even if you were up in the 22, 24s because of the key heads, et cetera, or you can anchor and other things, but ultimately worked out fine. Only a couple of places could we not get into that we wanted to, I mean, really a couple out of 150 so that's not so bad. Really good percentages there. Yeah, they, we, I, I am when I make reservations and they say that I always ask if it's a tea head or a face talk. And if it's a slip, I always make sure I ask them what the width is, because every now and then someone tries to put us in an 18 foot wide slip uh, and we really need that's rough. 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, um, but but if we have 20 feet or more in a slip and, and a lot of Marines have that, you know, so we really didn't have any problems right. at all and to be clear course, I, I think i think up to about 20 foot can get you uh still through like the shambly and and the other ones uh, but anything over about 20 you want to you then you're into the well end which is perfectly fine a lot of great things to go through that way too if you go uh ontario to erie via the well end right yeah, we, well and at your yeah. air clearance you could probably do the western erie as well we, this boat literally can go everywhere that that the loop goes yeah. without exception, and that that's rare to be able to say for every boat. With, with, and all we do is flip the antennas down at the most. I mean, we don't yeah. have to take uh, anything up. Yeah, it's, yeah, especially one that's you know um, fifty foot length overall. It's it's unusual to have that kind of uh, yes. low profile to get under those bridges. So, exactly. Great information. Um, too bad there's not a whole lot more of them built. <laughs> yes. But um, let's go ahead and talk specifically about your loop. 
um, uh, Karen, and this was you writing this, but um, you called yourself Covidials. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about that. <laughs> well, we were in that, that I think, big group of uh, uh, people that were sitting at home an awful lot during that first COVID summer. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, it just prompted reassessment of life and where we were going and what we were doing. And uh, Dave stumbled across the loop uh, during his all his YouTube watching we were that we suddenly had plenty of time to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just kind of clicked that this was, was what we wanted to do. And uh, given we were at a point in life where we had no kids on the payroll, no grandkids yet, no elderly relatives, uh, and we were in good health, it's like this seemed like an opportunity we just couldn't pass up. So and everything just fell into place so easily that that also was kind of our sign that this was the right thing. Yeah. Well, so once you decided this was something you wanted to do, did you have boating experience prior to this? Well, I, I kind of had an ace in a hole where I spent uh, 34 years in the Navy and uh, have deployed 13 times, hundreds of thousands of miles, literally. And, uh, and I've been itching to get on the water. And Karen actually was open to living on a boat from the moment we met, or not met, moment we got married, really. Did mm -hmm. I met her years before. And, um, uh, and as such, it was kind of an easy transition for me. Uh, Karen is a, she, and she's a sailor herself. Her dad built a sailboat and she learned to sail when she was younger, et cetera. So she, she's always been near the water and loved it. So it wasn't hard for her either. Um, to, you know, for this concept of getting on the water, it just had to be now the right time, right place, right circumstances. And we had that, you know, three years ago yeah. worked out. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say I had extensive boating experience in the last 20 years. Um, but as I, like I said, as a kid and young adult, I'd done some cruising on a sailboat. And uh, um, so I felt comfortable with that concept, but I, I still had a learning curve. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you and for your too. service. Uh, yeah. Thank you for oh. your service, um, first of all. Thank but once you decided, you know, it was time to, to make this leap and live aboard and, and do the loop, how long did it take to find the boat? Because we know that there were so many people looking during COVID and that, you know, that kind of yeah. COVID market still exists today. So how did it go looking for a boat? Did you know you wanted a main cat? Uh, so great question. Uh, I didn't even know what a main cat was uh, at that mm. point that we started. Uh, we knew a lot of boats, monohulls in particular, but what, it was a process of, of going through, not only going to marinas and looking at books, et cetera, and then we finally got serious. It was about getting the right buyer's broker. The first one we had was a great guy, but just didn't quite hit what we wanted. Eventually moved to Steve Russell, who helped us find a, uh, a park at. Once we knew we wanted to move from a monohull to a park at due to stability, et cetera, or livability, et cetera. So uh, anyways, there was a process of about almost a year to get to a boat. Yeah, we decided, uh, well, I was actually listening to you. We decided- But I, I was looking before that. I yeah, thought. you've been looking. We really decided to do the loop in August. And by um, January, we were down in Florida actively looking and we moved aboard in April. So it was, I think, fairly, fairly quick. <coughs> so that was April of 21 20. or 2020 when you what? bought the boat? 21. 21, 21, 21. when okay. you purchased the boat. <laughs> Okay. And then you decided not to start the loop right away. And part of that was because the US Canadian border was still closed. And obviously, based on your articles, that was a highlight for you. Um, so waiting for that to open. Um, but you kind of described that as, as kind of fortuitous in a way, because you were able to get used to living aboard in the boat. So tell us about kind of that first year or so before you really started the loop. 
Yeah, so we bought the boat down in uh, Florida, and then we brought it back up to the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, Norfolk is semi-home to us, just we lived here on and off for a while. And once we decided not to, to do the loop, we spent the summer cruising the Chesapeake, and it gave us that time to just learn um, how we work together, develop our own routine, so that the cruising aspect, the technical part, became a lot easier. So once we were then started the loop the following uh, spring, we didn't have to worry that that was more automatic and we were able to just enjoy the trip. And, and I would encourage people to certainly take, if you don't already are comfortable with, especially if you have a new boat, take that time, whether it's months or a year or whatever, because it really, I think enhanced our loop. Well, and we had great friends off uh, Inconceivable and, and they purchased a Ranger tug. They had it nearby where they were and they would go to the boat when they could on weekends or long, you know, for a week or so. So they got used to getting underway for multiple days. So you don't have to start cruising right away. You can obtain your boat and then, you know, go back and forth, et cetera, like they did. And in our case, we started full-time cruising right away. So there's multiple ways to do this, of course. Yeah, well, and I love, I love that suggestion though, that getting used to the lifestyle and used to doing this together, um, the fact that you did that kind of ahead of starting the loop allowed you to enjoy the trip more. And I talked to so many loopers and, and I put myself in this category that, you know, it takes a good two or three months to really kind of find that groove of being on the move, of living aboard, of working together. Um, and, I, you know, we, I feel like we transitioned pretty smoothly. And even then it took me a few months to really just kind of find my groove where every day didn't feel like, um so far outside my comfort zone <laughs> every right, there's yes. gonna be days a little bit outside your comfort zone anyway but um you know I, I call it once I hit my groove it was the good kind of out of your comfort zone instead of the right. you know the the stressful kind so um yeah. I love that you took that time to do that first um once you then transitioned and did officially start the loop I like to ask people about their cruising preferences because so much of looping has to do with you know your style of choosing to do the trip, you know, how many miles per day, marinas or anchorages, um, how fast do you travel, that kind of thing. So tell us about your cruising style, your preferences. I, I do primarily the voyage planning and I get from Karen some of her parameters on what she'd like to do or see or where to go, et cetera. And then I start looking at the charts and, and the guides that we have pretty much every guide you can imagine. And I recommend pretty much every one of them to you and, and then joining things like waterway guide, et cetera. But we've got a lot of the books as well as the electronic stuff. So I started looking at all that and about how to get from point A to B. And, uh, and so we kind of look about 30 to 50 miles. Uh, sometimes it's less, especially when you're on the up in Canada. You know, we did 10 to 15 max yeah. most of the time because there's just so many awesome places to go to. And you could stay at on local walls or in parks and arenas. So anyway, so that's kind of the broad back, uh, brush of, 30 to 50, sometimes 10 to 15. And when we would go, we wouldn't want to go every single day. Uh, I prefer maybe two or three days in a row and then spend a couple of days at the next place or try to look for anchor places, how not to be on the water in the weekends and maybe at a really beautiful town, which are plenty on the loop that you can select and then have kind of quick transits in between on the weekdays. Mm -hmm. And, and we, um, we ended up doing more marinas probably than we right. ideally would have, you know, we have a dog that we're traveling with and uh, she's a reluctant user of the turf um, mm -hmm. up on the bow. So we couldn't be an anchor too many days in a row. Um, 
uh, but so that's why we ended up with a lot more marinas. Mm -hmm. um, so the pet, having a pet aboard does certainly influence your marina versus anchorage decision for many. Um, it also influences the dinghy or no dinghy decision for right. people who are looking to anchor a lot. Do you have a dinghy aboard sea level? We do, and it worked great. And and we would bring our even our buddy boat uh, folks along too sometimes, just uh, make it more fun. You know, when you can do things mm -hmm. with others as well as more convenient for them as well. I, I would make note too when it comes to the voyage planning. Uh, we did attend one of the rendezvous, the Norfolk rendezvous, and found it to be exceptional in, in general, but specifically for me and the voyage planning. Uh, one of the things that, that's gone through with the, at these rendezvous are the routes, and then the you know knowledge we brief in these, and they give you suggested itineraries, and I used that all along the way, and it was golden the whole way, along with the, the, the written guides you can buy at Amazon or something. So anyways, I highly recommend uh, getting to some of these, uh, these rendezvous so you can get that information. Yeah, our speakers are absolutely phenomenal, and the next rendezvous oh, is coming up. November 6th through 9th in uh, Joe Wheeler State Park in Rogersville, Alabama, a little later than normal because of the lot closures on the Illinois waterway this year that are already closed and are expected to reopen around October 1st. So we're giving everyone a little bit of time to get there, but we will be doing those route briefings covering from that area on the Tennessee River around the southern half of the loop back to Norfolk and the 2024 spring rendezvous will be in Norfolk once again. So we know that's a super popular event. So anybody who's watching or listening, it is a members only event. So if you're hoping to attend, you will have to join if you're not already a member. Um, but we also know that it is going to sell out. We've basically kind of outgrown Joe Wheeler State Park, but there is not a more suitable facility that can hold more people really anywhere on the river system <laughs> we've searched. Um, so if you are hoping to register for that, uh, we'll be putting details in the August Great Loop link about registration. We know it will sell out fast and that's why I just wanna put a little bit of info out there. We are also having a winter rendezvous this year in Punta Gorda, Florida. So if you can't make the fall rendezvous or can't get into it because it's sold out, much of the content will be repeated in Punta Gorda, and that is partly because we know Norfolk, I'm sorry, Joe Wheeler State Park will sell out pretty quickly. So that was a little bit of a tangent, um, but let's go ahead and, and <laughs> take a break and um, play a message from our sponsors. When we come back, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you know, reality versus expectations of the trip and some of your highlights. So we'll be back in a moment. Cutterman Marine Services is a vessel relocation and delivery service owned and operated by retired and former members of the U.S. Coast Guard. They have crews ready to exceed your expectations wherever your vessel is located. In addition to relocation and delivery services, they offer a host of other marine services such as new owner training. Check out their website at www.cuttermanllc.com or call 855-65-BOATS. You have a lot invested in your boat. Why would you trust it to someone other than the Cutterman? Cutterman Marine Services. Professional, knowledgeable, capable, experienced. Life is better by the bay. Here in Panama City, Florida, we have deep blue water surrounded by arts and culture. We love our historic neighborhoods, southern coastal cuisine, and the songs and stories of our locals. And we're sure you will, too. If you're traveling along America's Great Loop, Drop your anchor at St. Andrew's Bay in Panama City and enjoy easy access to waterfront restaurants and shopping, a favorite among loopers. Land or water, you're going to love it here. Visit DestinationPanamaCity.com and learn more. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Karen and Dave Rattay. 
we are hearing the stories of their Great Loop adventure. So Karen and Dave, um, was the reality much different than your expectations? Uh, for us, it really wasn't. If anything, the expectations exceed or our reality exceeded our expectations. Um, I think we had done so much reading and YouTubing and forum and reading for, you know, mm -hmm. we've been following the forum for so long that we, we really felt like we had a pretty good grasp on what the loop was going to be like and what we needed to do. Not that there weren't surprises, but. And maybe that's part of the point was that pre-preparation and to so much in a good way is available through the AGLCA uh, folks that you can really be well prepared for this if you choose to take the time to look at it. I think uh, one of the expectations I had that was really exceeded was was the the community um, of loopers and the people. I mean, I I really look forward to that part. I'm the I'm the extrovert. He's the introvert in a, of us. So I look forward to meeting new people and everything. And but just that whole looper community and when you're loop frogging and seeing people again weeks or months or days later and that absolutely enhanced the loop and I think made it far beyond what it looks like on paper and and you can't teach that that is that is just that just happens <laughs> yeah you know and since you described Dave as the introvert I'm going to ask Dave a question on this um, the loop is a very social trip and it really is a community like no no other um, and a lot of couples do have one extrovert and one introvert but for some people who are a little bit more introverted how does that work out is it a comfortable scenario when you're meeting new people all the time now, there's occasionally I would put Karen to go, Karen, you can go meet the new person and I'll be glad to stay back with the dog. I'll uh, talk to anybody. Yeah. And, 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 and of course, you tell your story, the same story over and, and yeah. such. I'm more interested in hearing other people's stories and mm -hmm. hearing them talk. And uh, but but nonetheless, uh, it's it's the good news is the people that I really mean this, the people that are on the loop are really our kind of people with the same positive attitude and and challenges we all go through challenges and then you like to talk about it afterwards and it's just fun to hear or fun to have someone listen to my challenge and they go i did that too you know yeah, oh thanks right. I don't, now i no longer feel like the, the most stupidest guy in the room so anyways <laughs> uh it's just it's just wonderful people wonderful time and 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 sometimes you just don't participate in a good way and karen just runs off and does her thing no. Well, and that uh, also gives you each time apart too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. He he goes and takes care of the dog, and I hate him back, and I'm I'm talking more like I'm working on the boat. So. Uh, he's working on the boat. There you go. That's right. So Everyone I, finds their groove. They, that's his groove. <laughs> so, um, tell us about some of the highlights. We know you loved Canada, as as many do. I, I also loved Canada. Um, you know, tell us either what it was about that area or, you know, share a little bit more about that or some of the other highlights. Yeah, I think Canada, what I, it was such, um, with the short distances, you had just plenty of time to see all these little towns and everybody in the towns was so friendly and especially along the canals there, they had done such a good job of incorporating that into right. their, the, the town that you made, made these vibrant towns along, along the, the route, um, Having once as we came north on the Hudson River, one thing we noted after uh, since we went straight when everybody else went left to go to the Erie, um, the towns you could see they were struggling some more, and so and, and a little bit sad sometimes seeing what they had been and knowing their history. Um, but then we got up into Canada, and all of a sudden they had just these towns were just high, just fantastic. They focused on on the tourism. Um, so that was particularly um, 
I like the daily challenge. And sometimes that spending a couple of days in port was convenient so I could catch up with the daily challenge, like planning the next part. And, and I think part of what I would tell folks for one thing is don't get so wrapped up on you got to do 6,000 miles or 5,000 miles that, that I can't do it. No, you only have to do, you know, the next day and you have time to prep if you choose to and, uh, and then or prep maybe a week or a month in advance or something. So, so I would take some of that, but that was a challenge and I loved it. That was a highlight to have these challenges in front of me that, that I could overcome. Yeah, definitely a feeling of satisfaction when you're overcoming those challenges on a regular basis, for sure. Um, Speaking of challenges, I know you did have some challenges on the river system, and I think some of that was a mechanical challenge, but also a kind of cruising you hadn't done before. So tell us about that. Yeah, I'll tell the engine problem. Uh, (laughs) And in short, I had uh, a low engine oil pressure problem, and I had a similar but different cause on on the port side on the other uh, uh, port engine a year earlier. And so it became a little um, challenging and, and frustrating to some degree to figure out what it was, but it meant that we had to adjust. And again, part of the challenge, part of the, the, the fun is overcoming these challenges. So we did, we had this problem in advance, a problem we had to overcome. We had to figure out what, how fast we could go. We met new people that we wouldn't have met. Um, and, and they recently, they're, they're Canadians in particular. And uh, it was just, once again, you've, we found the silver lining in that challenge and it meant new people, no places to go. We wouldn't have gone and um, we eventually figured it out and then continued on our way. It was a, it was just, it was an oil cooler problem that I had to replace. Yeah, we, so the, the rivers for us, because that was the one aspect of, of cruising that we, neither of us had ever done um, was, so that part was a little intimidating, but having talked to a lot of fellow loopers along the way who had already been through the river system, that reassured us some. Right. And then once you do the first, you get through that first couple of locks and you kind of realize, okay, yeah, we can do this. Um, in reality, the engine problem just kept us cruising no more than about seven knots, which probably wouldn't have been going much faster anyways. Right. But just having that kind of hanging over you um, and just hoping that, okay, it's not going to get any worse, right? Um, <laughs> you know, and especially on the rivers where it's, where where ship boat yards and stuff are a little less accept, uh, accessible um and so we uh, but we basically did came all the way down from from day oh, two on the rivers all the way down to orange beach before we uh uh were able to get fixed so and that certainly is one of the challenges of the inland rivers is that there's just not as um it's not as easy to get parts, it's not as easy to yeah. get services. Um, but I think that probably also the fact that you had a good year under your belts before you started the loop probably also is what enables you to kind of keep your cool in that situation and continue on at a slower speed. I think if you're newer to the boat still, that probably would have presented a much bigger challenge. So um, kudos yeah. to you for getting that experience first. Um, what other tips would you have for somebody who's kind of new to this idea or is in the process of planning and getting ready to go? Um, I think one, approach it with a positive attitude. Know you're going to have challenges. Know that, that in some ways is part of the, not, I won't say the fun, but part of the reward is overcoming those challenges. It's never going to be perfect. There's always, something's going to come up. So just be prepared for that and be willing to deal with it. And then always try to find the kind of the silver lining um, because some of our biggest challenges were, were what ended up being some of our most memorable, certainly our best stories. Um, but uh, 
you know, for example, you know, we were in one of the groups that where the shoot broke down and we were there for six days, but we had a blast by, you know, not, we couldn't change the fact that we were there. So, and the people that were there with us were, we just had a great time and still stay in touch with them. You know, mm -hmm. they're some of our, some of our good and, friends. And for those who follow Facebook, may recall last summer, Wilson uh, showing Absolutely. up. That was yeah. that was Karen that was did the Wilson, and, uh, ah. and then our, our our folks with us wanted their own Wilson, so Karen made them a Wilson too. So, so anyway, yeah. so it was good. So a little bit of the backstory there, um, because probably everyone is not familiar with what happened there. So why don't you tell us, you know, what what caused you to be delayed for six days and and day one and two with Wilson and how that proceeded? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, so um, the the uh, the big shoot is the second to last clock on the Trent Sever. And uh, at about 4 p.m. one the, the, on a Thursday, it uh, a hydraulic pump broke, um, and we pulled in Friday morning to the Blue Line, ready to thinking we were there early. And the people that were already there said, "Yep, it's down." When you know, and uh, ultimately, when you have a hundred and something year old pump or, or uh, system. system, it takes a while to find parts. So we right. were really just sitting there waiting. And, uh, um, and uh, there's not really anything right around the chute, so uh, we just kind of made our own font. We were stranded. No we were stranded. We were marooned. We were and marooned. Um, there were about six or seven other boats with us. Um, and I think it was, as we were still waiting for more information, we were all at breakfast one day, and someone said something about, yeah, we're like castaways, you know, from the movie, and we need a Wilson. And it just kind of went from there. And, uh, and you know, white fender ball fenders are perfect for a wilson so so much fun and i remember seeing in that on facebook and being you know kudos to you for that good attitude that you talked about it's you know it could be a very stressful situation sitting there pretty much in the middle of nowhere for six days or so but obviously yeah. you made the best of it and had a lot of fun and i hear that there were locals too who were um you know offering to drive people for groceries and whatever they needed so tell us about that yeah, there was um, one of the local cottagers who, one of the boats that was with us happened to know from a whole different scenario uh, incident they had. And he just came over one day and said, hey, I got the truck, anybody want to go to town? Because the nearest grocery store was eh, probably 10, 15 miles away. It wasn't yeah. close. And he just took four of us and we stopped in. He said, oh, I'll stop in town. You can go wander down the main street here. And then he took us to the hardware store and anywhere we needed to go pretty much. And just uh, just because he could he which was right. just and others, others that offered too like that so the point is that's not a one-off that's really more about that's the, that's community. the people that's, that's the community that you find up there not all the boaters yeah. but even the locals there they they had heard that the shoot was broken and people were coming down all the time and it was really pretty heartwarming <laughs> Yeah. And again, kudos to you for making the best of a challenging situation. Um, but you're right, Dave, that's not a one-off that I hear. Um, you know, there have been similar uh, closures on places like the Erie Canal um, right. and similar yeah. things happened where, you know, locals uh, adopted a bunch of loopers for the week or so that they were <laughs> stuck there. And, um, you know, kind of really makes a, a challenging situation um, nice. And, and one of the things, you know, we, we've talked a lot today about the community of loopers. One of the things I say a lot is that you know, I think loopers are really kind of a self-selecting group of very laid back, you know, solve the problem, make the best of it kind of people. I think someone who's very high strung and gets, um, you know, completely torn to pieces over something like being delayed like that, 
opts out of this lifestyle pretty quick <laughs> because yeah. it's really just not something they're going to enjoy. Um, but I think that's part of what makes the, the Looper community so special. So any final thoughts for those who might watch this and, um, you know, kind of be inspired to perhaps get going on their own loop? I, I would reiterate uh, with your, your last question you had, uh, I would reiterate that in order to get started on this, once you've kind of figured out what's, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, especially getting a boat wise is one, get involved in the AGLCA so you can start getting information. Two, start working on what boat you might want. But I think the key of that is, is determining what kind of fits for you uniquely and then get a good buyer's broker so that they can help you through that, which helped us tremendously. And I think put us in the right boat for Karen and Dave. And, uh, and I, then the next step is to Take your time making it happen. If you can't, then move forward at your pace that you need to. But if you can take a little extra time to to ensure you're prepared to go out, do so. That said, you're never always fully prepared, but there's a ton of people out there ready to help you. And they're either in the next boat or they're a phone call or email away to, to the home, home crew. But uh, bottom line is it's a doable do. Yeah, I would say don't overthink it. At right. some point, a better is the enemy of good enough and do your planning and preparation and consider that part of your loop is spending that time in advance. Um, right. And then that's part of the experience. And then at some point you just cast off the line, cast off the line. There you go. You'll, you'll figure Absolutely. out the rest as you go. <laughs> well, Dave, I know you told us who your buyer's broker was earlier, but I think we had a little blip in the audio. So go ahead and, and share that again, if you would, for those who are wondering. Uh, that was Steve Russell. Uh, yeah. In fact, they're they're um, Admiral Admiralty Yacht Broke. Yeah, Admiral. Admiralty sure Yacht Steve... Sales. Yep. Yeah. Steve yeah. is an yeah. AGLCA sponsor, um, and he specializes yeah. in um, he specializes in cats. So, right. um, for those of you who are considering a cat, um, you can find Steve in our sponsor directory, and um, he is the guy to go to if you're looking for a catamaran for sure. So, always love Absolutely. to give a shout out to our sponsors. I'm glad you had a, a good experience with Steve. I would expect nothing less, knowing Steve. Um, but uh, both of you, uh, this has been such a pleasure to hear about your loop. And, um, you know, I really think that this is inspirational for others who might be considering and, you know, deciding, is this something for them? So thank you for sharing the details. We enjoyed it. And thank you to everyone who has watched or listened today. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop <laughs> Radio Podcast. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>